confidence of a professional stuff man Walking the streets, it always smell like an onion But I got the program, my body, soul, and Make it strong as the wind in Chicago land And we're getting stronger every day We're all in the Strength Faction crew So get your chips and load your hips Because our mission is to bring out the best in you, in you, in you Hey there, Chris Merritt, and welcome to the Strength Faction Podcast. How you doing today, buddy? Good, Mr. Mike Connolly. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I know you're a busy man. I know we had a hard time nailing down this time, and I really appreciate you doing that so that we could share all this programming and uh, strength standard goodness with the masses. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad we're finally doing it. Just in the off chance that somebody listening to the Strength Faction podcast doesn't know who Chris Merritt is and what he does, uh, why don't you fill the people in? Ooh, we're going to do the elevator pitch. I uh, worked my way up from a sandwich artist at Subway (laughs) to now uh, gym owner, train a full-time federal tactical law enforcement group, Obviously, uh, I don't know, maybe not obvious, but uh, co-founder of Strength Faction and in the interim from Sandwich Artist at Subway to all of that, I got my degree in kinesiology uh, at Penn State University, did all of the certifications of which I've renewed zero of them because it's a money grab. And worked in just about every setting uh, you can think of, except for I never worked in collegiate sports um, or directly with a sports team. Actually, that's not even true. So pretty much everywhere but collegiate sports, collegiate and professional sports um, on like a team level. But I've worked with lots of professional mixed martial arts fighters and the like. So you name it, one-on-one, large group, small group, corporate wellness, uh, an aid uh, in physical therapy clinic a lot so yeah yeah sounds like a very well-rounded history or someone that can't commit to a job one of the two it depends on how you <laughs> want to spin it no <laughs> I, I prefer um, the latter I prefer <laughs> no uh, I I knew I knew early on I wanted to open a gym so honestly it was uh, uh some of it was being scared to do it and jumping around to different things and finally coming to the realization that was like, Hey, you're going to be critical of everything and be miserable everywhere until you do what you've known you've wanted to do for a very long time. So that, that's the truth of it. Is it true that you were a very uh, detailed sandwich artist? Super detailed sandwich artist. Oh yeah. Uh, I imagine that you, I, I, I would, in my head, I'm picturing just these masterpieces being handed over the counter. Except for that, I worked at a world record uh, holding Subway and the speed with which we had to make sandwiches was insane. And like, I know you're joking, but no joke. Sometimes I'm not my, joking. Sometimes my OCD of uh, like, no, the sub needs to be like laid out right um, would get me, I don't want to say yelled at, because when I worked with is awesome, but I would get nudged to move faster a lot because the Subway I worked at was inside of Hershey Park. And uh, it was not your normal subway. That's where it started. And then you're like, how in the world does that get you into um, personal training, strength, conditioning, what have you? And it's because 
Uh, I wound up leaving there because I left work one day to go get a gym membership at Gold's. And the guy, and I had on like the, I don't know if they still wear the visors, but back then it was like the green polo, the visor. Yeah, and, I remember um, that. The guy working the front desk happened to be one of the owners of that location. And he was like, you work a Subway? And me just being a smart ass was like, no, nah, man, I just wear the uniform. He was like, oh, okay, funny guy. He's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, the reason I'm asking is because if you actually want to work for us, he was like, your membership is on the house. And I was like, why would I, like, I don't know anything about anything in the gym. Why would you want to hire me? And then he got to be smart back to me. He started laughing. He was like, oh God, no, we don't want you to work in the gym. We're moving down the road and there's going to be a subway in the gym. And you might as, <laughs> you might as well come work for it. So true story. That's how it all started. <laughs> well, that's great, man. I'm glad you took that turn because had you not, I don't know that our paths would have crossed and I have done nothing but enjoy our time together, man. It's truly a pleasure to work with you and, and uh, be able to share experiences with you, man. Hell yeah. Um, Feeling, feelings very much reciprocated. So, What was the world record that that subway held? I, uh, num- I don't know. Number, it was like the number of sandwiches created uh, or sold or whatever. Like, I don't remember if it was in a single day, if it was over a week, but like, no joke. I mean, you would do a shift and it would be hours i mean like all day the the line was it was like the ropes you know where you'd like zigzag to get yeah. up like you're in line for a ride but it would be yeah. that out the front door there was a porch down the steps of the porch and it would go past the other restaurants i don't know why like subways it's good but it's not like but i guess your other options there at that time it was just like the place that everyone wanted to go so you'd work yeah. an eight, eight hour shift and the only time not every day, but like on a nice day, especially on a weekend or in the summer, like just any nice day, that line would never end. And so, yeah, I don't know exactly how they went about the reporting of it, but uh, I don't know if it was a Guinness world record, but there was like a certificate on the wall. It was legit. <laughs> it's nice. And then there you were with a protractor, like measuring out the distance between Bingo. tomatoes Bingo. and lettuce and making sure. With I my beautiful, beautiful long hair <laughs> and my visor. And yes, sir. I love it, man. I love it. So I, I think with the strength faction, um, you're, you're the programming guy, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, you laugh, but it, like you, you're the mastermind behind most, if not all of what we present as programming material. Uh- I just like to think of myself as more than a programming guy, Mike. Oh, no, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. Of I'm course. Kidding. That's why I laugh. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Much is that more all I that. am to you? No, 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 no. <laughs> no uh, of course not. Obviously, I'm messing around. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of how it started out was us providing programming for coaches that were super busy. And it was like, let's take that off the table. And then coaches started asking about our systems, our program design systems, which opened the door to uh, our coaching systems and the whole thing kind of unfolded from there. So, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been excellent to be a part of for sure. Um, And that's, you know, kind of why I wanted to have you on the podcast today was because uh, as you know, upcoming, we have our next mini course, which is going to cover strength standards. Yep. And um, I was hoping, you know, I just released a blog talking about the why of it, because I imagine that, you know, thinking back to when I first started coaching, if someone said, you, you should use strength standards, I'm like, yeah, why? I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I talked a little bit about the why, and I wanted to go to the source himself and and talk about, you know, what was it that brought strength stand the idea of strength standards in front of you, and then kind of what pain points were you solving by implementing those strength standards into your systems? Yeah, I, a number of reasons. I mean, I think strength standards. I don't know if I can say they first. Uh, were presented to me, but like the first like real like, oh, strength standards that that I can recall was in one of Dan John's books or blogs or something. And it was like, I think it was like high school, like male, female, here's these different strength standards. And it was cool. It was like, oh, how do our clients measure up, right? But beyond aims, it wasn't like a decision matrix. And so that's not necessarily what we were looking for whenever we made our initial strength standards, which have massively expanded recently, but our original strength standards were more so a, a decision matrix of where to start somebody and, and when to progress somebody with their programming for basic squat, hinge, push, pull. And in terms of problems that it solved is like for the client, there's nothing more frustrating than being thrown into an exercise that you're not ready for. So yeah. it solves that problem. And then for the coach, like, without uh, not to keep overusing this word but i'm going to like without uh something in your decision matrix that says hey this person's ready to do this it's like the options are wide open and you're kind of taking a guess but through a lot of time paying attention trial and error we started to see some patterns with squat hinge push pull and we went hey uh this seems to be that when someone can do X, they're ready to do Y. And then, uh, yeah, started experimenting with it and it's evolved a lot, but it's been awesome because it's been very, very predictable uh, in terms of different movements that once someone can do this, we can progress them onto this in a manner that it's challenging enough um, to get them and, and keep them engaged. And yet it's not so challenging that it overwhelms them. So, Thinking back to those, the pre-strength standard days, um, do you remember enough of that to where you could do a side-by-side comparison? Yeah. Pre-strength standard days, uh, we would do an initial consultation. And I used to have a one-page little document that I had printed out. And it had a, a big progression regression list for a number of different movement patterns. And I would start at like, like basic, depending on the person, you know, there'd be a conversation like experience level, everything. And we'd make a decision about where to start. And we'd essentially, after going through a warm-up and everything, we would start with just being like, can you do this? But it wasn't a strength thing. It was like looking at them and it was like movement competency. Can you, can you do this movement? Okay. You can do that. Can you do this movement? And so like an example, um, I can probably pull up the document. I save everything. Like, but it was like, at the lowest end of squat, I think was like a sit to stand from a bench. So we have someone come in, um, let's say like clinically obese, like weight loss, pain, what have you. It's like, can you just get up and down from a chair, a chair in this standpoint being a bench? Um, okay, awesome. You can do that. Uh, can, or you can't do that. Okay. Like what about assisted with a TRX from a bench? Um, okay. You can do that. Cool. Then we go bench, uh, sit to stand. All right. You can do that. Then we would go uh, body weight squat, right? And it would just like keep on going. Or like maybe 
like they're good with sit to stand with the bench, but they're actually losing control of it. And once, once we went to standing, it was like, they didn't really have the brakes to be able to stop themselves and they're going to tumble over. Okay. So now like standing, no bench, but TRX. And so, um, then from there, like reaching plate squat, uh, goblet squat, et cetera. And eventually we would get to like the barbell, but it was just like, it was a lot because we would take them through squat, hinge, push, pull, some different core movements, um, split squats, uh, off the top of my head. I mean, uh, maybe single leg RDL type progressions, but that would start like all the way down at the floor of like, can you do a cook hip lift, um, and yeah. work our way up to the feet. So, so there, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just, it was a lot on day one. Yeah. And so. it sounds like, was it, was it more geared towards being able to execute the movement or did you actually have, I want you to perform this with this prescribed weight this Bingo. many times. Yeah. It was more about being able to execute, execute the movement. So it was valuable in itself, but um, it didn't give us the information that we get from what we do today. And it wasn't really like a true strength standard, right? No, there was that's no right. strength standard. There was no, yeah. there was nothing that said, and that's what we have today. There was nothing. Let's go back to the squat. When we got to goblet squat, that's, that's where I stopped. It was like, okay, cool. Like you can do a goblet squat. Should we go check out uh, whatever barbell squat variation or safety bar squat variation we want to look at next? Like, yeah, well, I don't know, man. Like the safety bar is 65 pounds. Like, so when, when does that become appropriate? But if you don't put any weight on the bar, it doesn't actually, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, the weight isn't distribu uh, distributed the same way as once you put weight on it, it's actually pulling you forward a little bit more. So like um, all these different things that, yeah, no, it was really just looking at what looked like, oh, you have good competency with that movement, but we didn't have a, once you can do this goblet squat, this weight with the goblet squat for this many reps, then we go into the barbell. And so eventually that's where we got to. And was that kind of a time suck? It sounds, it, the, the way it was described, it kind of sounds like that was a, a long process. Yeah. Kind of they, going, going through the movements and like saying, okay, you can do this. Now let's try this. And then, bingo, and then yeah. 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 Again, so, like looking back, it's like, it was pretty good. It just didn't give us, it, it was long. Um, and people it's funny because now today like we do this kind of hybrid of both things um that includes strength standards so again it's not that there was anything wrong with that it could get a little long we don't get into the weeds as much as we used to in terms of like this and then this and then this and then this we really go straight to um well i'm sure we'll probably get into stuff like that but but yeah in a way it's kind of come full circle to where some of that stuff has come back just not as like in the weeds of starting at like not even ground zero like ground negative three <laughs> yeah so can you can you remember any mishaps that might have originated from that process and not having those strength standards just kind yeah. of in that but yeah let's talk yes. about that i mean one i alluded to it with okay someone's good with goblet squatting and one thing for sure that i can think of i mean nothing like bad happened but we go, oh, okay, cool. Like you're good with the goblet squat. Let's go on to, and I don't remember what we went to from there, but probably a safety bar squat. Um, early on enough, we were probably still like, it's not that we don't barbell back squat anybody. Um, but back then we were probably doing it like at scale with a lot of people. Um, yeah. And so it's like, and chances are, I probably wasn't handing them a 24K kettlebell back then. I was probably handing them like a, 
like a 12 or a 16 and then being like, Oh good. Like let's go to safety bar. And again, like the safety bar is 65 pounds or we go to a barbell, it's 45 pounds, but you're probably not just doing the bar. So it's like this big jump. Um, yeah. And then we probably started people, not probably, <laughs> we started people with those implements, nothing wrong with those implements, but we started people with those implements in their programming and uh, probably just slowed down progression more than we could have had we uh, stuck with the goblet squat and reached what eventually became our strength standard. So that when we went to the barbell, like adding any kind of weight to the bar wasn't a massive jump in percentage because they built a base level of strength. You know what I mean? Like if we add Absolutely. 10, 10 pounds to each side of the bar and they only had 65 pounds on there, let's say it was a barbell, they had 65 pounds on to begin with, we jumped to 85, like, oh, it's only 20 pounds. But from a percentage standpoint, like that's a huge jump. You know what I mean? I so, do. so, uh, it just made things way, way more efficient. So nothing, nothing terrible. The wheels didn't fall off, but, uh, we're very much about as quickly as possible getting people into the best position to be successful so that they can train hard with appropriate intensity um, and get after it because that's what people want. They like as much as I think that the industry has gotten so into this, like, you know, you got to correct things and you got to, you know, whatever. like people want to work hard. And so where we're at today is just a, a much more efficient path to getting people to where they can, work hard with appropriate intensity. Yeah. And that, you know, two of the things I talked about in my blog were competence, client competency and client safety. Yep. And, you know, during this talk, it's kind of coming to light that those things are so they're tied so tightly together, competency and, and their safety. And then you add on the want of the client that wants, you know, they want to get after it. They don't want to, you know, from day one, most clients are like, yeah, I want to, I want to sweat. I want to feel, you know, bust my ass. And, yeah. and really like figuring out where people are in, in their training age and where they are in their competency uh, and setting those standards really does allow you to step on the gas. It kind of, you know, it puts the guardrails up so you can step, step on the gas and not have to worry about driving off the cliff. Right. Yeah. And for like, sometimes you'll get like, even, I guess it kind of ties into the competency and as well as like not letting someone go so far uh, to where they become a risk to themselves. Like, because before we had standards, someone's like, well, you know, uh, I don't want to do a goblet squat. I want to be doing, you know, whatever. And it's like, without a solid answer of why, there's a lot of times where I, I can't like, I can't point to a specific circumstance because we're going back to like 2000, you know, what 14 maybe 15 here like but without a solid why of like hey here's why we're not going to go to that back squat here's why we're here's why we're not going to go to that safety bar squat whatever like i'm certain that we progress some folks too quickly um and luckily you know nothing nothing catastrophic but it's much uh it comes back to that efficiency it's much easier when you have a solid why with things uh, to be able to point towards that and say, well, hey, you know, show me that you can do this. And then it comes back to them like zeroing in and be like, I want to do that because I want to be able to do this thing over here. So now they become interested in focusing their efforts on the thing that they originally didn't want to anyways. I don't know if that makes sense in my head. I'm like, I feel like I just kind of like, no, a lot of like, it absolutely does. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I think you're, I think you're, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think you're talking about 
like, hey, you want to do that exercise? Here's the path to get to that exercise. Yeah. And then all and, of a sudden, like, they weren't as interested in the thing that they're currently on until they realized it is the path. It's the it's a it's a building block that's going to get them there safely. Right. Yes. And I'll tell you, you know, I prided myself on running Rebel for six years and not having one injury. Well, we, we had one one pretty bad injury. A guy was putting a dumbbell back on a rack and smashed his finger because he wasn't paying attention. But lifting wise, we had no we had no um, injuries outside of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a little too sore. I mean, we might have stepped on the gas a little bit too hard. But thinking back on it, you know, this prior to implementing strength standards, like that safety measure is by the grace of God. Right. Cause yeah. we were, we were for the most part and probably the first year, maybe a little into the second year operating without strength standards and eyeballing stuff and, and going like, Hey, you know, you look pretty solid with that exercise. Let's try this exercise. And really the, I think the reality is, is that a, a lot of times you get something that looks like a Ferrari and performs like a Prius, you know? Yep. So you gotta, you gotta, no matter how solid someone looks or something that they're doing looks, it's always best to put them to those standards and, and have them pass those standards before they move on. And I also think it's a testament to strength standards are a tool, right? Yeah. But, but even without strength standards, like I would attribute part luck to you guys having no injuries because like sometimes Huge. people, people just Huge do crazy luck. stuff, but also I, I think it would be attributed to a solid coaching system. Right. And yeah. so like, those are complementary tools. I don't know if tools is the right word here, but complementary skill sets, complementary, like, like the strength standard uh, standards being a, a tool in the toolbox and then coaching being a skill. It's like without strength standards, uh, it doesn't mean people are going to get hurt, but without quality coaching, people are pretty likely to get hurt. And then that's yeah. where it's like, there's a lot of, um, I'm not saying the strength standards are for young and experienced coaches because they help us incredibly, like, especially in the new, uh, the new model that we just created at the gym, but even more so when you're younger and you just need like a simple thing that even tells you as a younger, inexperienced coach, like, when should I progress someone onto this? Boom. Here's this tool that you can put to use. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't say it's, it's strictly for young and experienced coaches because no. I feel like all the experienced coaches are using them. Yes. Because yes. it's not, it's not just about client competency. It's not just about client safety. It's about efficiency. It's about, you know, it's, it's about so much more in the gym experience on both sides, the coach's side, the business side, uh, in the, in the client side. Um, what, what made you say that out of curiosity? Is that, is that the perception? Do you think no, that's I, the perception? Well, no, more so thinking because I, I'm making a point of you saying no injuries. And it's like, I think that's a oh, testament yeah. to how much experience you had when you opened the gym. And yeah. so your experience so. in the absence of strength standards is again, part luck, but a lot, your experience, your coaching skill set that you already had the wherewithal and the skills to be able to put people in a good, the, you know, a, a great position to be successful. Um, and just be able to see those intricacies of like when to pull someone back, when to give someone a push. Whereas uh, strength standards, 
I think can help someone young and with less experience to be able to do some of that quicker than the years of trial by fire um, of like feeling things out to develop that coach's eye. I think that they can, they can happen concurrently and quicker with strength standards, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes, uh, that makes a ton of sense. Thanks for clarifying that. And I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, I, that's I what it's really all about. <laughs> I, 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 I would argue that that was probably more luck just because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I would consider myself a good coach at that point in my career, but still, I, I feel like even a good coach, because I, I don't want good coaches out there. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot of good coaches out there that aren't utilizing strength standards right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that your skill set is not a hundred percent insurance that something can't go wrong. So, nope. you know, adding, adding something like strength standards is, is a big step in shoring up that wall you're, you're putting up against, you know, an accident happening or, or someone slipping through the cracks or, you know, the fact that you're training a Prius and that looks like a Ferrari. Um, I think that, that it's just a huge step towards just, making it that your process that much more safer for the client and that much more productive for you as a coach. Definitely. Um, so let's talk a little bit and this, I think will, will hit home with a lot of people. How has implementing strength standards impacted your sales process? Who today, <laughs> big time. Um, because when you can, so we call our onboarding session, our initial, like what we used to call just like an initial consultation. We call it our certainty session because we're going to sit down. We're going to have a conversation about where you want to go, what you've already tried to get there. Um, we're going to look at medical health, injury history. We're going to talk about ideal schedule and what makes sense for you, like from the standpoint of accomplishing your goals through the path of our system. And then we're going to go through a battery of uh, testing everything from uh, some breathing stuff to uh, balance to mobility. And then we're going to go out on the floor and we're going to get into some movement stuff. And we're going to start at the floor literally of just like body control. Can you hold a plank for two minutes? Can you hold a glute bridge for two minutes? Can you hold uh, a, an ISO like TRX bat wing for a minute starting from about 40 degrees? So not like a crazy low angle. Um, can you do eight reverse lunges on each leg, right? So that's like our, our entry level body weight. Notice there was zero load using any of those things. If you don't pass that level, we know where we're starting you. <laughs> um, yeah. And then what we're going to be going over in the mini course this month is then like the next level up is where we actually have uh, loaded for the squat and for the deadlift, we have strength standards. And then we're still going body weight for upper body push, upper body pull, but now they're progressed into movement where if you notice that first level outside of the lunges was all isometric. Um, so when we get into uh, level two, we actually have a moving body weight test for both upper body push, upper body pull. Um, and we get into some other things at that level as well, like, uh, hanging like a rear foot elevated split squat. Cause even that it's like, okay, this person can do lunges. Um, and then maybe we're going to have, you know, rear foot elevated options in our program. So it's like, can you just do that from a body weight perspective? The next level up 
is where you've passed all these other things and it starts to get into like long-term aims. For someone to hit our highest level, especially if you're coming in green, um, which is both our entry level, like uh, is the green level, um, but also like when you're new to something, they say you're green. For you to hit like our tier three strength standards, that's where it's like, they're not Dan Johns, but that's where like thinking back on his, where it was like, oh, these are awesome aims for people. Mm-hmm. So at the third level, uh, that's where we have our strength standards that keep people engaged in terms of like, I want to accomplish that. And they're not just strength. Um, we have capacity standards or like conditioning standards at every level, um, power, you name it. So, um, in terms of like bringing it back to the sales and the certainty session is depending on how, well, no matter what, like, like how far someone goes through that testing gives us and them certainty of exactly where they're going to start. And then the short of it is that they actually leave with the current program, with the movements that are going to be best for them, their goals based on their certainty session and that battery of testing they went through highlighted then through an app, they're going to get set up so that each day's training based on that stuff, it's going to be pushed out to them with, hey, here's videos of exactly what you're going to do when you come in for today's session so they can look. And then obviously every single session is 100% coach led, what have you. But they, the, it's not just perception. I mean, it's legit, but, but the perception of, oh, holy crap, like, <sighs> there's a, there's an old, uh, I forget what the marketing thing was, but it was a beer. I want to say it was PBR, but this is like long, long, long time ago. Mm. where a marketer came in and he was like, how do you make the beer? And they were telling him. And uh, the marketer was like, oh, that's what the ad needs to say. And it was basically just like, like three, like two or three statements of exactly how the beer is made. And it sounded fancy. Right. And, and they were like, but everyone does that. He's like, but no one tells them they do that. Right. And I don't, I don't think that everyone does what we do. I, I think what we do is very, very unique to us. But regardless, everyone does have some type of a process that hopefully is helping themselves to have some level of certainty when they hand their client a program. But most people don't actually explain in a very brief, succinct, succinct manner that the client goes, oh, that makes sense. Here's why we're starting you where we are. And so when we do that, it, the client realizes how much this thing is unique to them. And then they see that path of like, all right, well, I got here today and they can see the next level or the other things at that level that they're working to achieve. And they can see the level, depending on where they are, the level beyond that. And so they leave with certainty of where to start with aims of where they want to progress to and excitement about the process instead of about, I want to lose this weight and I'm trying to find the motivation to go to the gym or I want to get stronger, but like, I'm just here. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, right. oh, okay. And you can point towards like, here's all these other people, testimonials, everything else that have done this. So, so it's hard to imagine that someone would go through that process with you and leave there without trusting you and, and having full confidence that they're in good hands. So since we switched over to this and, and for anyone listening, Mike doesn't know this, so he's not like like setting me up with like a little t-ball pitch well t-ball's off the tee but a little little underhanded pitch lobbing it to me to hit out of the park since we've switched <laughs> over to this um we are at a 100 percent conversion rate 
I didn't know that, man. That is so. That is unbelievable. And we're getting people, um, and I'm sure that this will like, will be well. Anyone that's in the faction right now, we're going to be teaching a lot more of these changes that we've made in, in this semester. But even beyond that, some of the mini courses and stuff, because we really changed things. I don't know of anyone doing um, like it's easy to look and go. I think people are doing stuff like that, but I I don't think anyone's doing anything like what we've developed and are continuing to develop. And so that's one of the things is like we've gone to more of a class based model, which might sound like, oh, man, like you guys watered it down. But no, it's like we took it's not it's not like a computer algorithm, but like the algorithm essentially that's like been in our heads of like, here's how we go through on an individual level and do this with each individual coming in. And we made something really unique with this class based model that is still individualized yet has the energy of like you name any of the big popular things out there that we all want to bash our heads against the wall watching people do it because it's like it's about cheerleading over coaching it's yeah. about like energy over form um and so Sweating we took the like positives yeah yeah so we took the positives of those things and we combined it with like a small group personal training and it's been amazing and my point in saying all that is to say like what that has done though is one one thing to any of those programs, and I'm sure people can start to go like, I think I know what he's talking about, um, is that those programs attract people who actually pride themselves on working hard. Yeah. Those are the people I want to work with. And as much as people will poo-poo on that, um, you know, let's just say Orange Theory, F45, uh, there's a thing called Sweat 415 around us, CrossFit, you name it. Like people will poo-poo on these things. And it's like, but you know what? They actually attract people who come in and want to work hard. I want to yeah. work with those people. And I just want to show them a better way. So what's cool is we are now attracting a lot of those people. And when they're coming in, they're like, well, I'm also going over to this place for like their free class and stuff. And I'm like, cool. And so I explained to them, here's what our onboarding process is today. Here's everything that we're going to learn about you. Everything we're going to walk you through. That's going to give us absolute certainty of where to start you, how to progress you. And then based on our unique class schedule, we are not like you go over to any one of those gyms and they're selling you on their like, you know, we do this style of training and like we, we sell you on a formula that based on your goals, we tell you how to navigate this formula the whole week, the whole month, the the 12 week block into a testing week, the whole nine. And people are just like, Oh, wow. Like, okay. And some of them might still go to that trial class, but 100% of them so far are just like, yeah, no, I'm doing this. Yeah. And we're more, and we're more expensive, considerably more expensive. So, so, so I got to ask, cause I know there's, there's at least one person listening to this saying, Oh, Oh, cool. He closed like one person since he, <laughs> like how many, what's a ballpark number on, on how many closes we've had since implementing this system. Yep. So there's a few things that are important. I'm not going to give you a BS number. I'm going to pull up something here real quick. There's a few things that are important to know. I know that you know this, but we have only been doing sales for this system for, what are we in right now? We're in week six. So for, I think four weeks, maybe not even four weeks, three or four weeks. Um, and, oh, how can I easily see right now? One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. This might not be the exact number because I can't go back and see. Ball, ball let's, ball, let's, let's ballpark it and say thirteen. In four months, that's no, you know, no, no, no. I'm no, sorry, no, I'm sorry. Four, four weeks, four weeks, <laughs> yeah, four yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, 
three, maybe four maybe weeks. three weeks, three, four weeks, because we also cut it down to where we have a 10 day trial now. So we used to do a free week and do a 21 day thing. And it was like, we need to <laughs> mature people to membership a whole lot quicker. And yeah, yet sure. we still wanted enough time to both have them experience the whole system and uh, a little bit of time to develop that relationship. So we do a 10 day thing now. So yeah, I want to say probably three weeks. Either way, you know, you don't even, if, if you're in double digits in client acquisition in one month, I don't think there's a gym owner out there that's going to turn those numbers down. Yeah. And the fact that you're closing every single one that's walked into your building since you implemented this system says a lot. And I think that goes, goes a long way in talking about how important it is to show people that path um, because it gives them a, a vision of what to expect, right? You're setting expectations and, and you're letting them know what they can expect when they walk in the door. And then you're also building that trust with them. Like, Hey, you know, I'm not randomly throwing shit against the wall and seeing if it sticks. Like this is what we do here. And, you know, if you're not down with it, I could point you in another direction, but yep. this stuff kicks ass. And, you know, if you get on board, we're going to get you exactly where you want to go. And that's the great thing with having those conversations of like, say, you know, we're talking to a lead and they ask like, well, what's the process? Do I just jump in and try out a class? And it's great to be able to go, hey, I know that, you know, so-and-so down the road is going to have you do that. Here's, here's some things to, uh, to be careful as you do that. And then you like, and it's true. Like yeah, these are things that I would be concerned of. And so it's like, you're helping that person already. And then they're like, okay, so you don't do a free class. What do you do? And then when you explain like, Hey, we're going to walk you through like one, we're going to send you a questionnaire in advance. We're going to chat through it real quick. When you come in, um, we're going to look at ideal schedule around your goals. Cause again, we don't just do like one style of training because that's what our franchise is. We're not a franchise. Um, we have a, a different uh, spread of classes across the week that based on your goals, it's a different mixing and matching of strength of interval training and endurance training that makes sense for you and your goals. So we're going to talk through that. And then we're actually going to get into a bunch of different movement testing so that we can figure out exactly where to start you from an exercise selection standpoint. So, um, that's just going to allow us to really hit the ground running and absolutely crush it as well as give us clarity of exactly where we're working towards going both your goals, but then also the process that you'll get excited about that will keep you engaged. Um, and it's going to kick total ass and people are just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, let's go do that. But, but, but genuinely they're like, Hey, you know, I, I honestly, I have concerns about, uh, throwing anyone directly into a workout without getting information. Cause I, I mean, I'm sure that as long as you've been doing this, you've seen it too. It's like, I've seen some of the craziest stuff that comes out that initially when you're like anything going on, we should know about like, no, nothing really. But in the process of taking someone through an hour of different, you know, both the conversation and even getting into scheduling and um, then getting out on the floor and doing movements, it never fails. They're like, Oh, I totally forgot. And then this crazy thing comes out that it's like, Holy crap. Can you imagine if we didn't know that? And we just threw that person in the training, maybe they would have been okay. Yeah. Right? But like, but what if they weren't? And it's like, this person is trying to, uh, you know, 
either become more active or become active in the first place or become more active. Like, but, but at some level it's about improving their life. And then because you wanted to show them how hard your workout is to sell them on that, you wind up jacking them up on the first day and putting them on the shelf and like detract from their quality of life. It's just, I don't want to play that game. And I hate to see people um, get messed up and do that. That being said, I know that there's some places that have, uh, a good process of being able to check the boxes and figure out how to quickly get that person in the best position to be successful. If that's you and you're listening to this, awesome. I have some friends that do it. I know it's possible, but it's rare. It's really rare. Yeah. And you talking about that reminded me of like one of the, one of the phrases that I hated most to hear out of a new client or a new prospective client was because Rebel was a kettlebell centric gym for the first three years of its operation. I heard quite a bit of like, Oh, I know how to use kettlebells. And then to see, like to put somebody in a position where they would be in a class and then see what they knew about kettlebells in reality. Um, was pretty terrifying. Yeah. Like super terrifying. Um, yeah. so yeah, putting those systems in place and just being like, Oh, cool. Like let's, let's check it out. You know, um, and, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And even if like, not to keep going down that rabbit hole, but like when you have strength standards and let's say that person does say that and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. We can have you jump into a class today, but real quick, like, um, what do you, what are you typically doing? Like, say we we're going to go do a set of 10 swings. We're like, what would you normally grab? Like, awesome. And then grab like a bell or two lower than that. Be like, can we just see a few reps? And it's like, I guess it's not a strength standard thing, but even just like a quick check on that. And then you see them just yeah. like diving the kettlebell towards the floor and they're like doing the, there's nothing American about it, but what people would call an American swing. And you're just like, Oh God, like, yeah. But yeah. As opposed to just like, yeah, like let's go jump in like, or, or oh. grab that grab that weight and say, what do you say we warm up with like 10 kettlebell deadlifts? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. warm the hips up. Let's get the hamstrings going. Let's uh, let's just see a couple of kettlebell deadlifts before we start flinging that, that bell around. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. On the efficiency side, you do obviously a ton of programming. You write all the programming for the strength faction. You put together all the programming for your own facility. Uh, you put together the programming for an elite um, tactical law enforcement group. On the efficiency side, since implementing strength standards, what kind of differences have you seen in the time that you have to put into, into programming? Huge difference. Um, number one, I have to give credit where credit's due. Todd and I have really collaborated a lot, uh, especially as of late on the gym and uh, what we're doing on the tactical operations side. So uh, I will not take all the credit for everything going on, but, um, but so uh, let's, I'll give you a specific answer of how much it's helped because we're talking about this onboarding process and, uh, and the programs for the gym is essentially we've gone to a program for the gym and i know that you've seen it so you'll understand someone might hear that and think oh my god a one-size-fits-all program like no not really <laughs> like i talked about we have different you know we have two different strength days on the menu we have two different interval conditioning days and we have what we call an endurance day and it's like a lower um lower intensity more like cardiac output uh intensity day and even the two interval days one is more on the like very short powerful work intervals the other one's like longer uh work times and then 
moderate rest, uh, but the, the intensity is, is gauged with all of it to make sure that we're not just crushing people. Right. So yeah. we, we have this program that's written uh, four weeks at a time. And then instead of it just being like, you're doing this exercise, then you're doing this exercise. We have put a massive progression regression list under whatever the category is for that part of that day. So say we were going to do uh, like power core and then like a mobility thing, right? So under power, we will usually have at this point five to six different choices and choices isn't necessarily, it's a very loosely defined, uh, it's not as much choice as it is like for us, when we take someone through this stuff, certainty of where to start someone, obviously with competency, with strength, everything, it does become choice. But in the beginning, it's very prescriptive. So in terms of directly answering your question, how much time did it save, how much time it is saved, is that we run people quickly through these strength standards, which I was saying like what all is involved. It only takes the total session. It's about an hour, but actually working through the strength, the strength standards is about like 20, maybe 25 minutes. And that's probably even longer than it really is. And just from doing that in the time that they're on the bike, doing a short, simple conditioning test that only lasts for six minutes, we are grabbing that program and we're literally highlighting the exact options that we are certain, like we have certainty, like, yep, you're going to crush it. We're going to start you right here. We're yep. highlighting those options. We're setting them up uh, through an app. Like I said, that's then going to deliver those videos to them so they can study up on stuff. And then when they come in, the coach is still going to greet them and coach them and, you know, hundred percent coach led anyways, but it's just like checking that box in all these different ways. And it happens before they leave. That's how fast we're able to make these decisions. So from intake, uh, conversation, assessment, setting them up for their 10-day trial, testing them both, uh, not just both, but everything we talked about, uh, breathing, balance, mobility, strength, capacity, uh, getting them out the door with their program already in hand. So very, very fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Let's, let's talk about one more item. I know you're a busy man. You got a family to get to here. It's getting to be dinner time. <laughs> what about client success? Have you seen any difference in what, from what you were doing before sans strength standards what kind of changes in client success as far as um, efficiency and how far they've been able to get to the, you know, not only to their goals, but then past their goals. Uh, and how has that affected your business? I think, I think we alluded to it. It's, it's happening at an amplified rate now with the changes that we made recently. And again, like I, you know, I mentioned we're, we're six weeks in of officially going with this, we got a three week preview. So we're nine weeks into the new system, but even going back before that, we talked about, uh, the mishaps of, you know, probably putting a barbell or a safety bar or something in someone's hands or on someone's back quicker than we should have. And then it makes it harder to progress. And don't get me wrong, like spending time with a weight that's maybe a little bit easier for you and building a lot of volume is great. But the reality is that we work with regular everyday busy professionals and they're not getting into the gym five, six days a week, uh, especially years ago. The new system seems to be getting people in more consistently, which is awesome. But especially uh, going back, let's go pre COVID things were very different. It's yeah. like getting someone into the gym two to three days a week is a win, right? With, with most like busy everyday professionals. It was a huge so, win. 
So how and, much? Well, oh, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about the. I think the last time I looked at it was when I was uh, the director at FFC. The, I think the national average for visitations with a personal trainer. I think this was the study was probably based solely off commercial gyms. Was one point five, one point seven visits per week was the national average. Ooh. Was that like average so, across a year? I believe so. Man. So, it, it, like, so, yeah. So, you're talking about how hard it is to get people in a week two, three times. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, that just, that's a stat that shows that that is across the country, right? Like, yeah. that is, that, and, pro- and if it's across the country, it's probably worldwide. It's probably a problem that every <laughs> coach is facing. Yeah. So, it just goes back to less time frustrated, wasting time trying to figure out and implement that they're probably not ready for, that they can't really make appropriate jumps with weight selection. Cause I, I mean, I don't think anyone's doing like fractional plates or anything. Right. And so by just going back and being like, Hey, we're going to be here. Um, this is the standard. And once we hit the standard, we go on, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember exactly what the original question was since we kind of went on some sidebars there, but like, um, client success, client success. Oh yeah. So I, focusing people's effort gets people to work harder. So even though they're only getting into the gym two to three days a week, whereas before, if it was just, it's just exercise and like today we're doing this bar. Um, and maybe they attach like whatever that thing was that they're doing towards their goal, but that's hard for people to do. But when people get excited about the process of and, and start to go, Hey, when I can do this, then that opens the door to this. And when I can do that, that opens the door to this next thing. Then you have people who are more likely to show up. And when people are more likely to show up, um, it, they're not more likely to, they are going to see more success with their training. So by giving people the focus of show me, you can do this. And then we'll go do that when we already know they want to do that. Um, it definitely amplifies success. So, yeah. And I, I, I like, this is one of my favorite analogies. I, I read it in a child psychology book. You know, imagine, uh, imagine you're on a dark road and someone pointed you to a bridge and asked you to run across that bridge or get across that bridge as fast as you can. This bridge, it's foggy and there's no guardrails on the bridge. How are you, how are you going to cross that bridge? Probably very slowly and very tentatively, right? Yeah. Now imagine now imagine you see guardrails on those on that bridge that kind of gives you the freedom to go fast. Right. So those strength standards, giving people a path, it not only gives the client those guardrails, but it gives the coach those guards rails as well, because you know, you, you can confidently step on the gas because you have all the information, you have your standards to bounce that information off of. And that's going to accurately tell you like, okay, you're in a safe zone to work as hard as you can. Let's go. Yeah. So, and, and, and and it also gets people. And I think this ties into like, okay, there's this guardrail. It also gets people to do things that they didn't realize they were capable of because it gives them something to test themselves against. And even right now with our new intake, um, you'll see people who go like, Oh, I don't know if I can do that. And it's like, I'm not concerned about someone getting, uh, especially with the, the boxes that we already checked. We're not throwing them straight into this. 
So at this point, I don't have a concern of them getting hurt doing a goblet squat. If it's not going to go well, we're just going to bail on the weight. Like we're good. Right. Right. And I can tell you countless individuals with our squat, our goblet squat strength standard, with our kettlebell deadlift strength standard, with this thing we do with hanging, uh, where people are like, Oh, I don't think I can do that. And I, and I go, okay, that's all right. Like the strength standard is the bar that we're trying to get to, but if you're up for it, why don't we see what we do get today so that we have something to test against again in week 13? People are like, okay. And I can't tell you how many of them pass it because <laughs> they're yeah. just like, they get going and they're like, Oh my God, I can do this. Whereas before it would have just been an, an exercise, right? Oh, I did eight reps of, you know, this thing with this weight, whatever that means. But now it's a bar and it's not like a made up bar. I talked about the amount of time that we spent observing and asking questions of our clients and taking people and being like, can you do this and, and paying attention. And so it is, it's, it's a valuable bar to try and go after because then not only are they like, holy crap, I can do that. They go, Oh, now I get to go do this thing. And so from day one, it gets people to work harder than if let's go back to originally what we did, where it was just like a, a progression of exercises. Cool. You can do that. Let's see this one. Cool. You can do that. Let's see this one. People didn't leave as excited from that, but I have seen people jump up and down and actually yell, like scream out loud, like, oh my God, I did that. Like from doing something that if it was just movement competency, there would have been zero excitement or at least not as much, <laughs> nearly yeah. as much. I love it, man. I love it. Man, I tell you what, I asked for 20 to 30 minutes and you do <laughs> like Chris Merritt often does. You over deliver. <laughs> Unbelievable Talk. information, man. Like happy, such happy value that you just passed out into the world. And um, I know it's going to help a lot of people. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I'm growing my hair back. I want people to know. That's, that's about it. All right. You know how I, you know that was, I that was on that, side that was for Casey Lee. We'll see if he listens to this. That was for Casey. Oh, Lee. well, let's see if Todd listens. You're my favorite <laughs> brother. Don't tell him. Yes. Don't tell him. Yes. <laughs> well, I appreciate you and love you very much, brother. And uh, thank you for your time. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Love you too, man. And we're definitely going to do these more often. Things are finally settling down with the changes at the gym. So I won't be as hard. That's why I chuckle every time you're saying I'm so busy and I'm like, things are finally relaxing. But I'm whispering yeah. so that. Uh, That's good. Yeah. Don't say that too loud, man. I don't want to send that energy out too much. But yeah, no. I, think, I think things are. Take you some you so. time. Take yes, you sir. some you time before you make it public that you, you got time on your hands. <laughs> people jump on that. Yeah. But I ignore those people, so we'll be good. No. Good for you, bro. <laughs> no, I'm good, good for you, man. But no, I had fun, man. I'm looking forward to doing it again. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, yes, again. sir. Take care. Bye, guys. Well, hey there, folks. It's Todd giving you a break from Mike's sultry voice to tell you about some free shit. That's right. Free shit from us here at the Strength Faction. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to go to strengthfaction.com, and Mike's going to drop that in the show notes for you, isn't he? Strengthfaction.com, you're going to scroll the whole way to the bottom. What you're going to see there is our free resource library. Four ebooks that are going to help you improve each part of the game of being a fitness coach, personal trainer, a fitness professional existing in this industry. So what you're going to do is you're going to scroll to the bottom, and you're going to see the four books. You can't get bored. Five Steps to Thriving in a Commercial Gym Environment, Energy Emotions Time, 
and teach any exercise. Now, you can't get bored. That's all about program design and making it easy on yourself without boring yourself or your clients, quite honestly. Five steps to thriving in a commercial gym environment. How do you thrive as a personal trainer in the commercial gym? This is even more important now after the pandemic. Energy and motions time, all about self-management, organizing yourself, organizing your time, and then teach any exercise is gonna give you a lot of great cueing and exercise execution information so that you can teach anybody how to do any movement. Again, that's our free resource library, totally free at strengthfaction.com. Just go to strengthfaction.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, enter your info, and we're gonna email you that shit. All right, so go do that right as, well, as soon as you're done listening to this. Well, not this ad, but like this episode. Well, unless this ad is at the end of the episode, then, then go do it immediately. All right, see you later.